That was Drake Demons. What you guys think? That actually was hard. I see it work. I see it rocking in the clubs. Yeah, I like hard. it. What clubs? Well, what are those? I mean, when the clubs, the were, clubs. Were, were open, I mean, you oh, know, the virtual, virtual clubs. Okay. Hopefully, right. it'll club still be 14. around when the clubs are back open. But uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Somebody, right. Somebody's gonna happen. Somebody's gonna have to open a virtual like uh like I, I don't I don't know if crunk is the right word. That's the word I grew up on. But a virtual like crunk club, right? The club I'm quarantine. I'm like, echo like crazy. I do hear echo too. I mean, they had some. They had the demon joint. They had a demons club that at one time after eleven o'clock they had these virtual clubs and virtual strip clubs really? and yeah. Yeah, that, that you be didn't hear spot. Beyonce shout it out in the um in the club. remix. I thought I just thought she was saying she was a demon. I demon time, which is late night time. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. A, well, that's it's a virtual. It's a virtual strip club. Right. Okay, boom. That's gonna rock out in Club Demon. Then. There you go. I'm still hearing echo, but let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, ye? Well, let's start with uh, the health report is predicting up to two more years of this pandemic. They're saying 18 months to two years until 60 to 70 percent of the population worldwide has been infected, according to a team of longstanding pandemic experts in a new report that came out yesterday. Damn. Well, I don't know how that makes y'all feel, but, you know. They're saying it's uh, likely going to be 18 to 24 months, and as herd immunity gradually develops in the human population, then that's when finally things will be better. Yeah, they don't mean so. that we'll be in isolation and uh, self—I mean, self-isolation for two years. Or they just no. mean that the coronavirus may be around for two years. Yeah. Yeah. They said a worst-case scenario includes a second big wave in the fall and winter, and in a best-case scenario, people will continue to die from the virus. That's the prediction. Great. All right, armed demonstrators stormed Michigan State House. That's because of the stay-at-home order. Some of them had rifles, and they forced their way into the Capitol in Lansing to urge Michigan officials to end the state of emergency. Um, you know what's interesting? When I was in Jersey, I saw a lot of people protesting, driving and uh, stopping on the highway and pulling out flags and beeping their horns and stuff like that. So I didn't you know, really this is why see that. This, this is why I keep telling everybody to make sure you are armed, make sure you got guns, you know, um, um, practice your, your 2A rights, take advantage of your 2A rights because, you know, make sure your family knows how to shoot because this is what the future of America looks like. You're going to see more of these, you know, campaigns of thuggery, intimidation, and violence from militias against American democracy. And if they will storm a Capitol building, they will storm your house because if the economy keeps going the way that it is and the gap between the haves and have-nots continues to grow, they will storm your house. If you got a little bit more, more than they do. So you Absolutely. better make sure you and your family are scrapped. Know that much. Mm -hmm. All right. Coronavirus also has hit the U.S. meat supply pretty hard. They're saying one of the first things that's going to be scarce is boneless chicken. So they're swapping boneless chicken now for less popular pieces like thighs and drumsticks. And they are also saying that what they have to do is grocers are now accepting cuts of meat that require more cutting in-house by their butchers to keep their meat counters as full as possible. And companies are working to secure a frozen beef supply just in case these shutdowns at beef suppliers disrupt the supply chain also. So people are shifting away from different types of meat just because of the scarcity of it. And nearly 900 workers at a Tyson Foods pork plant tested positive for coronavirus. And so, of course, that's going to cause a shortage there as well. I'm not going to lie. I'm not mad if they take boneless uh, meat, boneless chicken meat off the shelf because I don't believe in boneless chicken meat. When it comes to boneless chicken meat, that's when I get in my 5G conspiracy bag, okay? I want all my animals to have bones. If they don't have bones, I just consider them uh, genetically modified. My so, goodness. yeah. 
buy hey, man, bonus chicken. Did y'all hear about this uh, virus killing robot that they have? What? Did you hear about it? It's called the Xenix. It's a robot that they created. costs like $100,000 that can kill the coronavirus. So meaning uh, if you own a gym or if you own a hospital, they put this robot into the room or to the area and it kills the virus all in the room. Did y'all hear about that? Oh, so it sanitizes the place. Yeah, it sanitizes the place, but it's used to kill coronavirus. And I see all the hospitals are buying it and also like sports teams and gyms. So that way people don't have to clean it. So just say you're in the gym every hour, they just send this robot in the gym and it throws out this light. This just illuminates the place and it kills all the viruses, including coronavirus, and then leaves and you can go back in and work out. So Donald so Trump this is a robot that it. already existed, right? Uh, like I believe it already existed robot? and they, and they mm-hmm. perfected it to kill coronavirus as well. And they're saying everybody's picking this thing up. They're saying it costs about $100,000, which is going to make it safer for people when they have to clean these hospitals, clean these gyms, even clean subways and things like that. I thought it was, was pretty dope. How long before Donald okay. Trump tells uh, tells us to have the let the robot operate on us and let the robot inject his light inside of us because it'll kill our coronavirus? How soon? Uh, tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's your front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Maybe you had a bad night, bad morning, or maybe you just want to spread some positivity. 800-585-1051 is The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm dialing. I'm call, calling you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Imani. Hey, Imani. Get it off your chest, Imani. Okay, so I heard you talking about the that little robot. Yep. I work in a hospital. I absolutely hate that stupid thing. You are technically <laughs> incorrect as to what... It does. It does not kill the coronavirus at all because we've been using this even before the coronavirus came out. Mm-hmm. Right. Tell us what does it do. Tell us what it do. Put us on. This, that looks the thing. It does kill, it kills bacteria. It does not kill the virus. It kills anything and anything that you miss wiping down with bleach. It mm-hmm. kills it in the room. Any spot that you have, you can't get to. That's what the light does. But it does not kill the virus out of the room completely. You actually have to let the room sit for an extra hour before anybody can go back into that room. Mm. So why why do you hate that little robot? Why have you tried to unplug it a million times? (laughs) I can can see you trying to take the battery up. No, I'm okay. So I'm pregnant and the smell that it gives off is a very potent smell. Mm. Got you. Got you. It is is effective, right? Yeah, it's um, so the hospital that I worked at, the um, infection rate has been up, but it's gone down since we've gotten the robot um, because, like, some of the people that I work with, they didn't really clean like they were supposed to. Mm. So, but it does help. It does help a lot, but it does not kill everything that we want it to kill. Yeah, because it says... still go in the room and clean that spray. I spray bleach. I use, like, three bottles of bleach in every room that I in. Yeah, it says the San Antonio company just has perfected the hundred thousand dollar robot that can zap the deadly virus to death. That's what they released yesterday. The one that, yeah, the one that we have at my job. It, <laughs> you, you just don't like <laughs> that. Not like you over. Listen, do the white people there give it a name? Do they have a name for the little robot? Yeah, they actually some of them do have robot um, names. One what do they call the it? One that I've been using is called Wilbur. Wilbur. Yeah, Wilbur. 
Lord have mercy. Goldberg. Oh, right. They said they're using it in like 10 U.S. military bases. They use it in uh, the uh, Skid Row LAPD station and Stanford and USC used this robot. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's going on? Good morning. It's RJ. RJ, Good what's morning, up? Get RJ. it off your chest, bro. Hey, I just want to say I'm excited about uh, the quarantine in the afternoon open mic today. Uh, I want to give my two brothers a shout out. Hopefully they get played. <laughs> Wait, is this Dramos' DJ Dramos' thing? Yes, ma'am, it is. What is Dramos wow. doing? First of all, DJ Dramos is all Latino representation in the room. He's a board mm -hmm. out, but he's also a DJ slash Instagram talk show host. Um, what are you doing, Dram, that we don't know about? So uh, I do my, my IG live oh, show Lord. every single day, 12 noon Eastern time. But I also, on Wednesdays okay. and Fridays, we do an open mic so people can send me music. And we'll play it on the IG live and critique it, give them feedback. All right, yo, um, Eddie, make sure you invoice Dramos for that free advertisement that he just got, uh, courtesy of the Breakfast Club. At DJ okay. Let me, see. Uh, Let me see how DJ Dramos' followers are looking now. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up at any time. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Oh, Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Get Good it morning, off your Amanda. Amanda. Good morning. I'm calling because yesterday I tried to call God. I called my dad at like 5 in the morning to see if I was going to come in and they were going to take me off the schedule. When I called, they told me, you know, they're not going to take anybody off the schedule to come in. As soon as I got in the parking lot, the supervisor called and told me and my fiance, oh, we don't need you guys today. And I'm like, oh, this cool, literally at 5 in the morning. And I asked her, and they told me no, and now I'm here. So I'm kind of like that. Well, <laughs> did you at least get to go home? Yeah, I went home, but I could have stayed asleep at 5 in the morning. She sounded so it. sad just now. She's like, mm. I get it. You know Something at them. Yeah, morning like that, I'd have left the job, went to Chick-fil-A. I know I said, I said if that would have happened to me, I'd have been upset, but then I'd have said, you know what, I'm going to give you some breakfast. I went to Chick-fil-A, uh, hop or something, and then I'd have ate that and went right back home and went to sleep. There you go. Hey. Okay. Where'd you go? We went to Bob Evans because IHOP wasn't open. Got you. Well, thank you for calling, Mama. Hello, who's this? Yeah, this is Ernie. What's up, man? Get it off your chest. Ernie, what Bert? I work, I work over Eats, you know what I mean? I had a rough morning because I delivered some food probably like two, two and a half hours ago. And now they're calling me talking about they want their food. Wait, you delivered it and they're calling telling you they want their food? Yeah, I delivered, no, I, I went to go deliver it. They wasn't answering. And uh, I took the picture, left it on the doorknob. Like I explained, that's what you're supposed mm -hmm. to do. And now they call and talk about they want their food. Now I'm like, Damn, maybe I, somebody stole it. Sounds like they trying to scam you. Yeah, I guess. You know but I mean? you took the picture, so you got the proof, right? Uh, yeah, I got the proof. All right, well, that's They might think you cute, bro. They might think you cute. Don't go back over there. Just go to sleep. <laughs> I don't plan on I'd be like, I did what I was supposed to do. All right. Thank you, brother. Hello. Who's this? Marcos. Get it off chest. Stupid. All right. So it's uh, my birthday today, and I'm just glad to see it. Happy born day, King. Happy I'm glad birthday, that you're glad to see it. Better appreciate it. Some people woke up dead this morning. How you wake up dead? 
Well, um, <laughs> they say that your they say that your consciousness um, remains alive after you pass away. So when you pass away, they say that you are absolutely aware that you did pass away because you know it's still your consciousness is still energy. You just don't have a physical body that works anymore. Uh, okay, I ain't never thought about it like that. I don't yep. think nobody has. Scary, scary, right? Hell yeah. But yeah, man. scary nowadays. I mean, can't walk uh, outside without <clears throat> catching something. That ain't true. Well, that's what they're making it sound like. No, that's true. <laughs> they're making it sound like that. But you, you can walk outside and not catch nothing. You just got to, you know, pr uh, protect yourself. I tried to raise that. I got away. That's all we can do, brother. All right, man. 800-585-1051. Now, we got rumors on the way? Yes, find out who turned down an offer for $100 million to go to an event for two hours. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. Rumor, rumor, rumor. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. I probably would have teased Tiffany Haddish. But yes, Tiffany Haddish, if you recall, she was on Ellen. And <laughs> Why you do Chingy dirty like that, man? Like you wasn't doing well, the Chingy right there dance. No, she's getting vindicated with this, okay? Okay. So go. she did an appearance on Ellen, and she said that she and Chingy had slept together one night many years ago. Listen to this. Have you ever dated a celebrity that the world doesn't know about? But was it really dating, or did we just hook up? Chingy? Oh, yeah? Did you and Chingy? Yeah? I mean... It was a hookup. That was the early 2000s, y'all. I don't even know if that counts anymore. Now, Chingy had denied that this happened, but now he's saying that, yes, it did happen. Here is uh, Chingy admitting that. I don't remember it still to this day. So I had to call my brother, who I know know everything. And so I asked him, I was like, because back then I used to drink his and I was like a bowling ball. I was knocking him down. I called him. I was like, hey, man, did that happen? He said, yeah, that happened. He said, I was with her friend. You had her one night. We was, everybody was up. You was in my room. Then you heard went to your room and wooty woo. You know, I saw that yesterday and it made me think, do I remember every woman I had sex with uh, in, in, in my day? And I couldn't remember. I honestly was sitting around racking my brain thinking about it. Mm. So no, you don't remember is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't think I have women that I don't necessarily just I don't re, I don't remember or recall the the every detail of the sex act or their names, you know what I'm saying? But I'm pretty sure if I think hard enough, I can remember. Oh yeah, 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 I did sleep with her. I can't just you know be like, nah, I didn't sleep with her. Unequivocally, hmm. she might not remember you though. Huh? 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 <laughs> how, how, how can you forget me? Huh? <laughs> this guy. She probably deny it. All right, Michael Jordan was offered 100. Now, yeah, yeah, tell the truth. You're, some of your friends have denied it back in the day. When All I was the time. Out here, out here in these streets. They, you know what? I never asked them. I do remember one person saying I wouldn't let him in upstairs. Ah! <laughs> she wouldn't let him upstairs? Right. Yeah, she, she, she smutted me out in the car. She definitely did. All right, Michael Jordan Goodness was offered gracious. $100 million to appear in an event for two hours, according to his agent, Peter Falk, and... He didn't want to do it. $100 million. He was on W Fan's uh, show where he discussed how picky that Michael Jordan was when it came to deals. I mean, he turned down a deal. I bought him a deal three years ago for $100 million. Uh, and all he had to do was make a one, other than giving his name and likeness, make a one, two-hour appearance to announce the deal. 
and he turned it down. And God bless him. You know, he's been so successful. It gives him the opportunity to do whatever the hell he wants. I ain't mad at it. I mean, the million the man is worth over a billion dollars. He just didn't feel like doing when, it. He can do it at this time. Yeah, one hundred million is a lot. I wonder what the deal was exactly. Like, yeah, like what it. company? What company was it? You know what I mean? I mean, one hundred million is a lot to us, but I mean, when you're a guy who probably has, you know, seven hundred billion dollars. You know, yeah, in liquid, matter. in liquid, or probably another, or probably a billion plus in assets in your bank account. You like, eh, I can turn that hundred million dollars. Yeah. And, and all yeah, the money he makes off sneakers. I'm sorry, that's still a lot. I can't even imagine. But yeah, because anyway. you're not a billionaire. You're not a billionaire. If you're a billionaire and you ain't feel like doing, it, you'd be like, you know what? I ain't going. Forget that. And when you make but so much uh, horizontal money, right? Because Michael Jordan makes money when he sleep because his shoes and his money. Absolutely. Yeah. He want to leave. He want to two hours. Sheesh. <sighs> I can't even. All right. Well, also, in addition to that, another thing that uh, that Falk brought up, that David Falk brought up, was the fact that he believes that Scottie Pippen is jealous of Michael Jordan. I don't I don't think Scottie Pippen is jealous of Michael Jordan. I think Pippen saw Michael Jordan, and at a certain point, he knows that whatever Jordan was making, he should be making at least half of that, especially probably those last couple of years when he was making $2.5 million compared to Jordan, who was making thirty million dollars a year i don't think that i would call that jealousy yeah i, well, I don't think it was jealous thing i was just paying his worth it's because he keeps on saying lebron's a better player than michael jordan and he feels like even if you felt like that because of your relationship with michael jordan and everything he's done for you maybe you shouldn't just walk around saying that all the time and he well, feels Pippen like that's a really level feel of that Pippen might well, really no, i don't believe i don't believe that but Pippen might feel that way well, Pippen don't feel that way either. Pippen has had objective conversations where he said things like, you know, LeBron James may have passed Michael Jordan in, um, um, in different ways. But the last statement that Scottie Pippen made uh, was in 2019. And he said LeBron James is not even what Kobe Bryant was as a player. And he said, he said, Pippen said, Scott, uh, Pippen said LeBron does not have the ability to take over a game the way Jordan did during his playing days. So he said LeBron's not... Not nowhere near Jordan. He's not even better as Kobe Bryant as a player. That was his last statement on it. So, All right, now, Anderson Cooper, congratulations to him. He announced the birth of his son, Wyatt, live on CNN. Here he is. As a gay kid, I never thought it would be possible to have a child. And I'm so grateful for all those who paved the way and for the doctors and nurses and everyone involved in my son's birth. Most of all, I am eternally grateful to a remarkable surrogate who carried Wyatt. I do wish my mom and my dad and my brother Carter were alive to meet Wyatt, but I like to believe that they can see him. I imagine them all together, arms around each other, smiling and laughing and watching, looking down on us. Happy to know that their love is alive in me and in Wyatt and that our family continues. All right, so congratulations to Anderson Cooper. I guess that is such a blessing, but it was sad to hear about all that he's gone through in his life, having lost so many different family members. Yeah, that's horrible. Like, who do you share a moment like that with? You know what I'm saying? Because you would love for your child to meet the grandparents, you know, their uncle, and they're not here? Like, Jesus Christ. That's got to mm -hmm. hurt. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. Oh, and right. Drake. We have Drake all morning, right? So, as y'all know, and we'll get more into this, but Drake did announce his Dark Lane demo tapes mixtape, and that is out. So, I don't know if y'all have had a chance. I was asleep, so I haven't had a chance to listen yeah, to Yeah, I haven't heard it yet. yet. Yeah, let's get on losses right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Front page news is next. That's the Arby Graham I like. F all that trash-ass Tootsie Slide TikTok BS. I like well, the bars like that. Okay? That's not hey, for you. He's versatile. Listen, man, when you have the potential to be the best rapper alive, why you want to be a little white girl TikToking, okay? Like, especially when you can make music like that. That's what I'm talking about. That was okay. hard. 
All right. Well, let's get in some front page news. Where we starting with, ye? Well, first off, I got to tell you guys, I didn't realize the deadline was coming up so quickly. But if you did not file a tax return last year and you have kids under 17, you have to act now to get the $500 economic impact payment per child. Now, I know there's a lot of people who can use this money, so make sure you get it done by Tuesday, May 5th to get your payment in 2020. All you have to do is go to irs.gov, and that's where you can enter your information in the non-filer tool again by Tuesday, May 5th. So I want to make sure you get get your money. Yeah, get that done before Cinco de Mayo, man, because ain't nobody going to... And think about it, Cinco de Mayo's on a Tuesday this year, so that's a Taco Tuesday, so it's going to be tequila and tacos flowing everywhere. You ain't going to have time for no taxes on May 5th, so do that before then, okay? Absolutely. Drama, right, you excited now, about Cinco de Mayo? Uh, that's for my Mexican brothers and sisters. So. <laughs> oh, my yeah. bad. My All right. Bad. This guy is crazy. We'll learn a lesson and shout today. out to Natina. That's Natina's birthday, Cinco de Mayo, so we've got to do a Zoom with hey. our girls. Happy birthday, Natina. All right, now... There's some little things that we don't think about, right? And it's been causing some inconvenience. As you're outside with your mask on, how do you unlock your iPhone if you don't use Face ID? Now you got to do all of that. So now Apple's making it easier for you to unlock your iPhone without Face ID because of the mask. All you have to do is swipe up to bring the passcode screen. And there's uh, since there isn't as much of a delay between the phone trying to recognize your face and asking you to enter in a passcode. And so uh, they're trying to do this whole thing. If you... Uh, I guess, I don't know how it's going to make it any easier, but uh, if you, uh, all you have to do is swipe up if you're wearing a mask and you'll skip the face ID display and then you enter in a code. I kind of feel like that's what we've been doing already anyway. Right. You know what else we got to think about? I thought about this the other day when I was out. Uh, when you're wearing gloves and you got the mask on. Oh, yeah, forget you know, it. It, it. Yeah, if your phone rings, don't touch your phone while you got the gloves on. And then you got, you know what I'm saying? Because you, you, whatever you've been you touching, gotta sanitize on your, your phone. phone. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, you can't even, like, type that. in anything when you have a glove on, right? Don't nope. you got to take this? You got to take the gloves nope. off. Got to take that. And you got to take that out for the moment. Got to get back to that person. Mm-hmm. All right. And in Michigan, they have launched a free condom delivery service during coronavirus lockdown. So the Condoms by Mail program. They said they feel it's extremely important during this public health crisis to continue to support our communities and protecting themselves against unintended pregnancies, STIs, and HIV. So Michigan residents have to require deliveries via email, and those packages will be discreet and unmarked, and it'll have 10 condoms and 10 packets of lubrication. Yeah, I just don't feel like you should be quarantining with someone you can't have unprotected sex with. I think whoever you Well, if you you don't want to have a baby... Yeah, if you don't want to have but a baby, still. or maybe that's just your, your, your you know, your, your boyfriend or girlfriend, and y'all working, and you just don't want to have a child yet, so you're just being protected. I'm y'all not gonna judge couples together. who, I'm not gonna judge couples who use condoms because I, I do know, I know, a, I know a married couple. They use condoms because she's not trying what? to get pregnant and have another. Yeah, they're married. And they she doesn't want to have another control. baby. Mm-hmm. Birth control. Is shot. Well, some he can, he can, some he people don't believe in birth control. Time. Yeah, yeah but, some people don't want to put things in their body like that. And some women have a bad, um, you know, they have a bad reaction to that. So you don't want to put things in your body, but you put that nasty little piece of rubber in your body. Now, by the way, it's only a nasty little piece of rubber when you're married, okay? But when you're single, I understand. But all I'm simply saying is you shouldn't be quarantined with somebody you can't go wrong. Well, tell them how that rubber feels in your body since you know so well, Charlamagne. I mean, I got to put it on me. It's like putting <laughs> gloves on. It's like using your phone with gloves. It's literally like, it's literally like using your phone with gloves on. 
And listen, you guys have it easy because you don't take birth control. But for some women, birth control is tough. Like, it might make you gain a lot of weight. It might make you have... There's all kinds of things that can go wrong. Some people just can't take it. And so if you don't want to have a baby... It's really early in they those do. stages. I don't think a lot of men mm. are using that. I don't know if it's even as effective as birth control for women. So if all you I'm have to be responsible is, in that way, there's nothing wrong with that. All I'm saying is, ladies, if you can't, uh, you know, have raw sex with the person you're quarantined with, then they may not be the person you should be with. Don't listen to him. You I'm might not want to get is, pregnant. If you want to be responsible, be responsible however you choose to do it. There you go. Responsible right, sex that is, is your whack. That's news. why you should get married. You stop get it, married, man. They might not be ready get to get married. married. Don't force I'm them to get married. Saying, you know, and Envy, you know responsible sex is whack. You know, that's why we're happy to be married and you can go raw. I know, but I ain't okay. telling that to everybody. People out there having sex, they want to be protected. <laughs> they want to be protected. Some they want no baby, man. Some people are having you know sex what you're with, their, with their partner and still getting something somehow. So I don't know. And some people don't need that's no babies right now. All right? How about that? Some people need to be protected. All right. Well, when we come back, today is the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes, so it is. And we're going to be man, kicking I, it with Dr. Rita Walker. Yes, I read this great book over the holidays. Uh, I was blessed enough to get an advanced copy, and I've read it twice since then. You might hear me referencing, referencing it a lot, and it is The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. Dr. Rita Walker has created this book that helps you to navigate an unequal system and learn tools for emotional wellness and get the help that we all so greatly deserve in regards to our mental health. So, yes, Dr. Rita Walker. And the book is out today. First day of uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. The book came out today. I think everybody needs to have this book, man. It is that important. It is that good. You should add it to your library. All right, we'll get into that next. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have a special guest in the building. And I believe, right. Charlemagne, today is the start of Mental Health Awareness Month. Yes, today is the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month. And she has put out a book today called The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. It is absolutely the best book I have read this year, period. Okay. Dr. Rita Walker is here. Dr. Rita Walker, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Now, first, how are you quarantining? How, how is everybody with you? The family straight? Everybody good? Yes, we're good. You know, got a little bit of cabin fever, as you might imagine. Got a child under the age of 10, so, Woo! yeah. I got three, so I, I know exactly what you're going through right now. So how, how are you, you dealing with mental health? At a time like this. How am I staying mentally healthy? You and the whole, yeah, the whole family, everybody. Well, everybody has their ways. So I'll probably just start with my son because video games. And I try and keep him off of video games, but that probably keeps him best connected to his friends. Um, so I think it's been kind of normal for him because he gets more video games than usual. For, for me... I have spent time outside. So I have a, a small patio that when I'm starting to get into my head, I go sit outside. And that's most helpful for me. Now, you talk wow. about the kids with video games, because uh, I have a, a, a five-year-old that's on this iPad all day. So I have to take it from him sometimes because he's into those video games. And I feel like his mind is so stuck on these games, he's not necessarily just seeing what else is going on with this world. So I kind of take it from them. So if you have younger kids, what do you suggest we do to make sure they stay mentally healthy? Yeah, I think that we have to realize that, that this is a really difficult time and not just for us, but certainly for our kids too. And so trying to find the balance. So maybe have an agreement. Okay, you can play for this amount of time. And then after that, take it off so that we can do something else. My son loves puzzles. 
So I have been trying to find as many puzzles as I can so that we can gotcha. play puzzles and do uh, like battleships. So we play games to keep it kind of distracting from video games. Gotcha. Well, listen, let's talk yeah. about this masterpiece you wrote, uh, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. Like I said, best new book I read so far this year, and it's not even close. For those who haven't read it yet, what is The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health? Well, I'll tell you, I was motivated to write the book because of the suicide rates going up mm. for black children that concern me. And I have been studying black suicide since I was in grad school in the 90s. And my concern was that, one, people didn't know. And two, that we didn't recognize that we needed to turn into our own community, start to address some of the larger issues that I think have led to the suicide rates going up for black children. So that's what the book is about, is how we first acknowledge some of the challenges that we experience as African-Americans, some of those challenges, and then how on a day-to-day -day basis we start to make change. I don't expect for change to happen overnight. These problems didn't arise overnight. But we need to start moving in a different direction. Now, why do you think the suicide rate uh, is shot up so much? You know, is it the music? Because I remember being a kid, you know, you wouldn't hear much about suicide. But it almost seems like if things are not going well, it's a it's an easier way to say, okay, I'm just going to take my life. And I see more and more kids adapting to that. Yeah, I will say, so suicide is, is complicated. So there are a lot of factors that come together for a person to, one, decide that they want to die and then, two, to take the steps to take their own lives. But I think that one of the things that's happened for African Americans, because for a long time we didn't see suicide death rates, certainly for 5 to 11-year-old children. So that's where the rates were going up that really got my attention. So in our community, we've been through a lot. So going through having problems isn't new to us. So there's always been this sense of resolve that we can take care of whatever comes our way. I think we see this with club quarantine. Like, we create what we need to survive. But over right. time, there has been this sort of integration. Um, I have students in my university classroom who say, you know, Dr. Walker, you talk about being black and African, but I'm just American. And so when we move away from this notion that we are a special African-descendant people who have what we need in our community <laughs> to survive, I think that when threats happen, because threats to our humanity will happen, Mm -hmm. and we don't have that sort of protection or covering of knowing who we are, then that's, that's one of the reasons that I think, theoretically, we've seen the rates go up in our community. Right. Yeah, you talked about that in the book when you uh, talked about why Wakanda forever is so important. That was a force. You know, uh, you know, the movie The Black Panther was something that we were so excited about, and I don't even think we understood what that movie, and it was a, it's a fictional movie, right? But mm -hmm. we rallied around that movie because we saw so much positivity of who we were. And it was okay for us to be African and to dress up in African clothes. You know, we had our salute and it was, it was special because we are special, but we have lost, we've lost a lot of our connection. You know, and I'll have folks say, you know, I've never been to Africa. I don't know anything about Africa, but a lot of our culture, our culture is African in its origin but we've lost that connection. Uh, what are some of the steps that you would tell parents if you're looking at your kids and you don't really know what to do to help them? You can see that they're going through something. Maybe it's a depression, maybe it's anxiety, but you're not quite sure what it is. What are some of the steps you would advise? Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and this is something that we can, it works for children and it works for adults. It's communication. And mm -hmm. it sounds simple, but I'm always fascinated by the degree to which 
we are hesitant for whatever reason. We fear if we ask the wrong question, we're going to upset someone. Um, that maybe if we get an answer we don't want, we won't know how to help. But I think parents have to be willing when they see something different. Like you said, you see the child is looking depressed. Ask them what's going on. I know in my generation, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of talking about feelings. Like, that's just mm-hmm. not what you do. And maybe the child doesn't want to talk. We have to be willing to say, you know, I can tell you're going through something. I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. And then be ready to talk and not be judgmental. Like, we have to be willing to be physically present and suspend our judgments for people who are struggling. I noticed, how much you know, is social what, media? How much is social media affecting kids now? Would you think? Because I'm sure that that has to be adding to some of the experiences that can be negative that kids are having. Yeah, the research on social media um, is still emerging, but from what we can tell, it does seem that it, it feeds into that comparison. You know, and, and I'm sure you all have seen it. Well, people are just compelled to compare themselves to others. Mm-hmm. rather than recognizing, because we all have talents, we all have gifts, and we need to pay more attention to our own strengths and gifts. But instead, we're pulled in all of these different directions and trying to be someone that we're not. And so social media can facilitate that, unfortunately. All right, we have more with Dr. Rita Walker. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. If you just joined us, today is the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're kicking it with Dr. Rita Walker. Charlemagne? And one of the first chapters of the book, you know, staying on the suicide topic, you say, what you can do if death seems like the best into pain. For, for those feeling suicidal, what, 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 what can they do? Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that we have internal resources and then we have external resources. And in the book, I also talk about psychological fortitude, right? So psychological fortitude is that the level of resilience or resistance we have to things that will otherwise challenge us or undermine our psychology. Like we need our minds in order to be in relationships, to work, to live our life purpose. But for some of us, like we're so worn down that we just can't function day to day. And so we have to tap into our internal resources. So for people who are feeling like my life doesn't matter, no one cares if I live, that if we can't tap into uh, writing down our thoughts, because a lot of times we get in our heads, then we have to be willing to reach out to others. And that can be hard in our community, as you all know, because of this sense of strength and resilience that we have, that is important. But on the other side of that, we think, well, if I'm asking for help, then that means I'm weak. Well, I would challenge that. And that saying asking for help means that someone is strong enough to overcome their potential weakness. The challenge is that when people get into suicide-related crisis, it's hard to problem solve. It's hard to say, Mm. okay, Let me figure out what to do now. They're so overwhelmed that they don't have the resources to figure out what the problem is and what the best long-term solution is. Yeah, now you mentioned, I think a lot of suicide is, is, I I don't want to say accidental, but when I mean accidental, it's like, I think a lot of times, I think when people talk about suicide, a lot of it is for attention. They want people to, to care about them. And I think sometimes when people feel like, you know, well, they said they were going to do it. They're not really going to do it. I think almost people like feel like they forced themselves to be like, now nah, they believe they don't think I'm going to do it. And then they wind up doing it. Do you see that happen a lot? So that's tricky because I do think that there's this conversation around like, oh, they just want attention. Mm-hmm. But the challenge of that is 
what if something like what you described happens? And is it worth it to take that chance? Right. I want for folks to think of suicide crisis as a person in pain who wants the pain to end. Right. So however they go about getting that pain to end, they want it to stop. It is you know, pervasive. It is in all of their thoughts. They don't see tomorrow. But they just want the pain to end. So maybe they have done done something to put themselves in a risky situation, you know, mm-hmm. not knowing how lethal it is. Because, yes, we have a lot of people who attempt suicide who don't die by suicide. Right. And, yes, people who do things because they want to end the pain, not thinking that, say, taking a bottle of pills, like they're thinking, okay, this will least maybe it'll knock me out for a little while, but I'll be right. okay. But then it's really lethal, and so they die. Um, so I think that it helps all of us. And I talk to my doctoral students about this because suicide is scary for everyone. You know, uh, Dr. Rita Walker, you talk about uh, reclaiming your mind. So how, how do you reclaim your mind and reclaim a life worth living? Yeah, and I, I use reclaim intentionally because I do see uh, African people around the world as having resilience with, within us, which is why we're still here. And so what I'm saying is, you know, reclaim our connections to our African heritage and calling it what it is. And so I think I mm. mentioned that, you know, students will say, I don't know anything about Africa. I've never been there. There's nothing about me that is African. And that's, it's just not true because we see it around us. And so when we reclaim, we have to learn more about our history. You know, go to our African cultural museums. Um, talk to our older relatives about what life was like when they were younger. Um, so we have to reconnect with what it means for us to be who we are and not criticize or be critical of things that are African and call ourselves, you know, lazy in a way that a lot of mainstream folks have minimized or denigrated what it means for us to be who we are. What advice do you give to people out outside of this this quarantine? Like, you know, they're starting to open up things and people are losing jobs, you know, they're losing money. How do you tell people to monitor their mental health in this situation? Is, is that even possible? It is possible and it starts with being intentional so one of the things that people humans are inclined to do is to catastrophize things now yes losing a car and losing a job it is hard and so your emotional well-being your psychological fortitude isn't about bad things happening it is about managing your response or your reaction to that bad thing so losing a job for some people, and I know there are plenty of stories out there, that was a blessing that I lost that job because it mm-hmm. allowed me to tap into my own inherent creativity, my business sense, to create something that was consistent with who I was. So I think the easiest thing is to focus on the next hour. When someone is overwhelmed, don't think about next week. Think about, okay, what do I need to do in the next 15 minutes? If what I need to do is just to kind of sit down and watch TV, then do that. Because otherwise we get so overwhelmed that it can be hard to figure out the solutions that are really in us or somewhere in our family or in our community. Right. What do you say to people who are having difficulties right now at home in their relationship? You know, as we've been seeing, a lot of people have been realizing, hmm, maybe it's time for me to file for divorce. They're not sure how to work through whatever issues they have. Things are being magnified right now. What's your advice to somebody? Should they wait? 
until this pandemic is over and then reassess? Or is this really a time when you're, these might be some prevalent issues that you're like, okay, now I'm realizing what it really is now that we're in here 24 seven. Like you always said, you know, domestic violence calls, you said have shot through the roof. Yeah. And, and for those who are in domestic violence situations, there are hotlines and numbers to call to get support. That in those kinds of situations, People can do the best that they can with what they know, but sometimes it works to to reach out. And so I I do say that because we know those rates are going up. Um, As far as making other big decisions relationship-wise, I probably make the same advice that I do with anything that's hard, that at least take time to write down what are the pros and cons of the decision. Um, And sitting down and saying, okay, if I leave, this is the pros of leaving, these are the cons of leaving. And then if I stay, do the pros and cons also of staying? And that works with anything. Sometimes the pros and cons all equal, and then we have to decide just what makes the most sense just in my spirit, intuitively, what is it that I feel like I need to be doing? Because we have another, we have another gear in us. So we have our thoughts and our thinking and our intellect, but we also have, you know, that voice that's been pushing us in one direction or another that we, I think we all need to be paying a little bit more attention to and that quarantine time gives us an opportunity to do. Right. All right, we have more with Dr. Rita Walker. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. If you just joined us, today is the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're kicking it with Dr. Rita Walker. Charlemagne. Now, let's talk about blackness, right? Because you have a chapter in the book of... Uh, uh, racism is bad for you, right? And, and and you talk about the balancing act that goes along with having a black identity, taking care of everyone else, and putting the effort into being uh, put together despite being invisible. Expound on that a little bit. Yeah, it's it, it's hard. Um, I think for those of us who strongly identify, you know, with being black and recognizing that there are racial tensions in our society. There are consequences of being black. We've, a lot of us have been socialized. You gotta work twice as hard to get half as far. Like that over time puts a burden on us. And I do think it's one of the reasons that we see the high levels of hypertension and the high levels of health problems, in part because they've been passed on, you know, so part of our families, but in part because on a day-to-day basis, we're struggling navigating how do I both fit in so that I can advance maybe at a job and get promoted, but also maintain my sanity and be true to who I am. And it's, it's a juggling act. Um, and meanwhile, there are folks who are being, you know, taunted by the police and being killed. And so all of these stressors come together. If we're not intentional, it really starts to, to get to us and wear us down. So, so what's your definition of meaningful blackness? Um, on the one hand, I think that we, we recognize that maybe how we dress, um, how we carry ourselves, and the foods that we eat, maybe. So that's a, that's a level of, of culture um, that I think a lot of folks resonate with. We know you don't put raisins in the potato salad and things of that nature. <laughs> but on the other hand, there is, like I said, digging into who we are as a people, I really do believe that that is going to be the starting point for a different, a, just a different kind of well-being, including psychological fortitude, including our businesses, entrepreneurship, like everything. 
that when we can connect to the fact that we were some of the original creators and engineers in society, in all of society, that we have to connect to that in order to be able to turn this boat around that's kind of sinking in a lot of ways. Right. Mm. How, how do you tell people to deal with anxiety, you know, uh, especially if you have kids and everything that's going on in this world? Yeah, well, you know, first we have to recognize where we are in our level of anxiety because not everyone is the same, right? And mm -hmm. so one of the things that I talk about in the book, I, I create a psychological fortitude meter. So on a zero to 10, say zero being really very low psychological fortitude and 10 being high, you know, where are we? We can do the same thing with anxiety. If it's mm -hmm. at a, high, a five or higher, then we probably need to make some adjustments. If it's at a four or lower, then we can probably sit with it for a little while. But what are the adjustments that we make? We evaluate. So what about this situation is in my control? And this is where we have to just sit and be mindful, maybe talk to someone else, and then see, did that work? If not, then we have to reassess and come up with another solution. Now, when you say anxiety, you know, is, it, is there really, because sometimes I try to figure out if I'm having anxiety or if, I, if, I, if I'm a caring parent, you know? Like every time my son goes out and I constantly think about, is he okay? Is that anxiety or is that, no, nah, I'm just an effing parent. And that's what you're supposed to feel. Like, you know, it's hard to get to that, the difference between the two. Like when my kids go out, I'm effed up because I'm like, oh, they're right. But I'm a parent. It is. So the thing about, so anxiety is a certain amount of, it's synonymous with worry. When your worry gets out of hand such that you can't function, that's problematic. Mm -hmm. But when your worry is adaptive, so we do things that are adaptive that help us to survive. And sometimes we do things that are maladaptive and don't help us to survive. So yes, some right. people do maladaptive things. You know, they're worried about, say, bills. So they drink more. That's maladaptive because drinking more isn't going to help solve the problem with the bills. So, so I do think that, yes, with parenting, there's a certain amount of inherent worry or mm -hmm. just paranoia. Um, and, and, and to be honest, for good reason. And I talk about this in the book that, you know, black people have to make different decisions right. because mm -hmm. of, and it's not paranoia if it's real. Like if we know that right. we're higher risk for certain kinds of problems, then we have to manage that. Now you talk about, we talk about anxiety because we know anxiety is high right now, but what about stress? What are some tools to overcome and just straight up stress? People are just stressed right now. Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's similar for, for just the anxiety. Um, and, and stress, stress is basically anything that we have to deal with. What happens is sometimes the stress gets so high that we feel paralyzed and overwhelmed. We start to do some of the maladaptive things. So we first have to recognize, okay, how high is my stress right now? Some people don't even have to ask. They know they're just so overwhelmed. They don't want to get out the bed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need to just stay in the bed. You know, I, I really hope that people don't just do what they feel like they should do. Um, and Charlamagne, you know, I talk about should. Like, I drive my students nuts. I want should to be removed from the dictionary. But mm. if we start with where we are, I've been in the bed maybe for a week. It's really time to get out the bed. What is it that I'm so overwhelmed by that I'm paralyzed? And start to have those dialogues with ourselves it's okay to talk to ourselves um and start to write down like i was saying earlier like we can't just keep all of these thoughts bottled up in our head so write them down sometimes we just pick up the phone and say to someone this is what i'm going through right now right 
I'm, you know what? I'm a spiritual person, right? So now that I think about it, it's kind of like should is getting in the way of God. And what I mean by that is when the universe tells me to do something, when God tells me to do something, there's nothing that needs to happen except for me to do it. But as soon as I say should, I start questioning what, 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 what the spirit just told me to do. And then you question it yourself, then you might ask somebody else, and then the doubt comes in, and the anxiety comes in, and the indecisiveness. So I feel like I feel like should gets in the way of God. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but I can definitely I can definitely see it um, because should is just should has layers to it, right? So should can come from society, you know. Should can come from our families. Should is usually something that is external to us that we're trying to meet mm-hmm. some demand. Whereas, you know, our internal voice that is, I do believe is connected to our higher power, you know, that internal God voice, it's just more natural. And people are more inclined to do what's natural than to do what they should do. <laughs> oh, and, and, and last question. Today's the first day of Mental Health Awareness Month. What would you like to see people do during this whole month of May besides reading your book? Not what should they do, but what would you like? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, yes. But I think that during this time, you know, that we don't have, that we are self-contained on so many different levels, that we take the opportunity to really find quiet time. Maybe it's going to the bathroom for 10 minutes and close the door, go into a closet, go sit outside, take some paper and a pen. We don't even have to write complete thoughts. Just write words. Like mm-hmm. whatever comes to mind so that we can start to be more introspective about what this time means for us individually. Well, thank you Word. so much for checking in and joining That's us. Right. Thank the you, unapologetic Dr. Guide to Black Mental Health. You see me holding it up? You got to go order this. Everybody go out there and order this book right now. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, wherever you buy books. The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health by Dr. Rita Walker. It is a game changer. My favorite book that I read this year, Dr. Rita. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you all. All right. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's about time. What's going on? Is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Yes, so I actually went on Twitter yesterday, and the first thing I saw was, Ja Rule, you're going to stop at this false narrative that 50 killed me, LMAO, when I went up against 50 MG Unit, D12, Busted DMX, Dr. Dre, and FBI at the same damn time. LMAO, let's talk about it. So- he did get jumped. We do have, I've been said that. I'm on record. Ja Rule got jumped. Let's not act like Ja Rule didn't get jumped. You got jumped by 50 Cent G Unit, all the aftermath, Busted Rhymes. They jumped him. I think Ching, I think Chingy punched him. It was a bunch. There was a bunch of people. It was How a bunch of people jumping in, it, bro. What it seemed like everybody. Well, seemed like everybody jumped, Ja. Some people were talking about a possible Ja Rule and 50 Cent versus battle, and we know that can't potentially happen. Well, here's what 50 Cent said while he was on with Big Boy about that even being a possibility. It would make more sense catalog-wise for me and Snoop. And it's just because we would definitely be able to compete everywhere, every step of the way. He got like five, six duets, man. He got the, the hit records. It's all him and Jennifer Lopez, him and Mary J. Blige, Ashanti, him and a woman, a female artist. Yeah, I don't want to see that either, to be honest with you. Um, I think either. 50 raises some good points. Uh, ja does have some great records. I don't think that Ja has the catalog that 50 has because 50 has a lot of uh, big records mainstream, and he has a lot of street records that I think would ring off in a battle 
And I think he could just go deeper than Ja. And that's no disrespect to Ja. Ja, ja got a lot of mm-hmm. records and he got a catalog too, but I just think 50's catalog is is a lot bigger. And I, I just can't see 50 playing What Up Gangsta and Ja playing, you know, a record that he did with Mary. It's, it just wouldn't match in my opinion. But Ja got records though. It wouldn't match, but Ja got dope records. I just don't think Ja, I don't like saying this. I don't think Ja can go as deep as 50. Well, 50 has the whole Whoa. G unit and then he has the... Whoa. Game collaborations and all go, that too. Who can go deep as fifty, Charlemagne? Listen, you have to you have to have a long <laughs> catalog in these battles. Twenty songs is a lot of songs. A lot. It you, is. Have, you have to be able to sustain for twenty records. That's all I'm saying. I would love to see all fifty right, now, versus Snoop though. That would be a good one. Now, Fifty Cent also commented about whether or not he still would work with Takashi Six Nine, and here's what he said: Do you f with Takashi Six Nine if he wanted to record with you? I, I, I wouldn't. Work with him, right. It's still just, you know, what it is is just against the way I grew up. Well, I guess Takashi saw that and commented on social media. He said, won't be the first time 50 abandons his son. Let me just mind my business. I mean, so he's, he's a troll. We, we knew that. Trolling. Yeah, he's a troll. 50, 50 comes from a different cloth, though, right? 50 comes from the street. So his street mentality will not allow him to... Uh, work with a government informant. But, you know, he's absolutely right. It's a lot of kids out here that don't come from that, and they won't care. Right. And by the way, I don't think they should. They're not in the street. You know what I mean? They just here to make music. So 6ix9ine, the artist is available. Make music with 6ix9ine, the artist. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, LeBron has announced his first ever national graduation ceremony for high school's class of 2020. So he posted uh, the class of 2020 is redefining high school graduation with the first of its kind national ceremony. So get ready to go big while you're at home because this one hour primetime national graduation celebration is all about you. Graduate together 2020.com. They are inviting students to submit suggestions on what they'd like to see at the ceremony and more. So you can now see graduate together. It's a one hour special. America honors the high school class of 2020. It's going to air simultaneously on ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC, and also digital platforms like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, People TV, and Complex Networks. That's dope. Well, it's not dope. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. It's not dope. It's not dope because I feel so sorry for these kids that they can't walk across that stage and they, they, they can't do their little dance to their pomp and circumstance. I didn't get to march. You know what I mean? I graduated in night school. I chose not to march, but I feel sorry for those kids who you know, been busting their ass for four years yeah. in high school to have something like this happen, and they can't even march across that stage. Yeah, like I said, my daughter, she won't get that opportunity to walk across the stage. It sucks, you know what I mean? Dang. She busted her ass for four years, and she got good grades. She got uh, accepted into a bunch of colleges that gave her full rides. And I want to see her walk. Her grandparents want to see her walk, but I don't think it's going to happen. And this is a once-in-a-lifetime right, opportunity. You don't get to do mm-hmm. this again. Nope. And Tory Lanez announced that there's a YouTube concert, and it's today, and he said it'll be life-changing. So according to Tory Lanez, he said, I'm bringing my energy to YouTube May 1st, 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be performing live on YouTube Music for the first time. Click the link in his bio for more info. He said, this is on the Internet and will be live, viewable to everyone globally. Wash your hands and stay indoors. He said, to all my artist friends, I know this pandemic is probably messing up your show money and the experience for your fans. As y'all know, I have always been an innovator. Tomorrow, for the first time ever, me and YouTube are getting together to create a brand new technology for live shows from home where fans can interact with the artist firsthand and request favorite songs, change the lighting, personalize how they want it to feel and look, and everything is alive. Hopefully this works tomorrow, because if it does, this is history. Dope. Drop on the clues mm-hmm. bar for Tory Lanez. Yep. I want to know. I want to know what kind of ticket he's getting for that. How is he making money off that? I want to know. Because by the way, artists are going to need to know. 
because it's going to be bad out here for the next eight, nine months for artists because there ain't going to be no shows. All right, and Doja Cat put out her Say So remix with Nicki Minaj on it. And one part, and we are going to play the full song this morning, but one part that everybody is talking about is seems like Nicki is taking some shots at Wendy Williams. I got dressed to sit in the house. People with the least always doing the most. I count money while he's sucking my towels. Real nasty with them blogs. All net, yeah, I'm grouse. Why you talking about who body fake? With all them fillers in your face, you just full of hate. That real ass ain't keep you hugging home. Now you looking silly, that's why I'm still like home. See, I love when Nikki spits like this. I love Nikki rapping like this. This is hardcore Nikki rapping. I love this Nikki rap. I know the Bobs think I hate her. She probably thinks I hate her, but I love when Nikki raps like this. Yeah, and Wendy earned those. Wendy earned those, boss. She did. You know, Wendy, Wendy, Wendy been clapping at uh Nikki on her talk show. So Wendy responds how she responds, and Nikki responds how she responds. She's a rapper. Have no yep. problem with it whatsoever. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right. We're gonna get that record on in a minute too. Now, Charlemagne, who are you giving that down yes, to? You know, uh, your uncle Charlotte always tells you that the craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida, and uh, Florida has hit us with more Florida foolishness. And we need to have a conversation about Florida foolishness because I don't think y'all really understand what Florida foolishness is, but I will explain. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Make sure you tell them to watch out for Florida, man. Florida, man. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Yes, you are a donkey. A Florida man attacked an ATM for a very strange reason. It gave him too much money. Florida man is arrested after deputies say he rigged the door to his home in an attempt to electrocute his pregnant wife. Police arrested an Orlando man for attacking a flamingo. The Breakfast Club, bitches. Donkey of the day with Charlemagne the God. I don't know why y'all keep letting him get y'all like this. Donkey of the day for Friday, May 1st, goes to a 27-year-old brother named Getro Galeen. Uh, Getro hails from the great state of Florida. And you know what your Uncle Shala always says about Florida? The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Now, Getro was arrested for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and uh, domestic battery after he was accused of shoving a woman to the ground and threatening her with a firearm, okay? According to an arrest affidavit obtained by the smoking gun. That's what it says. Now, the woman told authorities Getro may have stashed the weapon in his Porsche SUV. Now, first of all, if you committed a crime like this and you knew she was calling the police because I highly doubt she didn't give him a heads up that she was calling the police, why would you not leave the house and go stash the gun somewhere else? The fact that he just stayed there after doing this lets me know, A, maybe he didn't do what he's accused of, okay, because it's always two sides to a story, and then it's the absolute truth, which she may or may not be telling, or B, the guy didn't go anywhere because he suffers from what I call Florida foolishness. Okay, let me explain. You have Florida fools and you have Florida foolishness, okay? Florida foolishness is usually the actions of a Florida fool, okay? The act of shoving a woman to the ground, sticking a gun in her face, uh, if he actually did this, this is the act of a Florida fool, okay? That's just what Florida fools do. But sticking around at the scene of the alleged crime until the cops come, Florida foolishness. See, if this is true, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. A little aggravated assault on a random Sunday, regular day for him. Uh, now, as I told y'all, the woman told the cops that Getro probably had the gun stashed in his Porsche SUV. And guess what? She was right. Florida foolishness. That's all that is. More Florida foolishness. How does this lady know exactly where you stash your weapons? In the words of E-40, never tell a woman all your business because she might end up being an eyewitness, especially when she's the victim of said crime. Okay, well, when cops searched the car, they found a Glock 21 pistol, a semi-automatic rifle, 
and a bulletproof vest. Now that right there, that's just more Florida foolishness from a Florida fool. I'm not even mad at him because I'm a 2A guy. I believe in my right to bear all the arms. In fact, I encourage all of you to bear your arm, leg, leg, other arm, and head at all times. But legally, people. Okay, clearly none of these things he had on him, uh, he had on him legally. Because when cops asked Getro to explain, he told them that the SUV wasn't even his anymore. He said he sold it to his cousin. Would you like to know who he told the cops his cousin's name was? Sure. He told the cops his cousin's name was John Wick. <laughs> You're probably saying to yourself right now, John Wick, that name sounds familiar. John Wick, who is that? Why does that name sound familiar? Well, John Wick is a legendary assassin played by Keanu Reeves in three different movies. Three films, three films that have all accumulated $587 million worldwide. It's a very successful franchise. In fact, part four was scheduled to come out next year on May 21st. Uh, the moral of the story is John Wick is a pretty big deal, okay? Too big of a deal for you to be lying, saying that the car and the weapons belong to John Wick. Because that name automatically would make a police officer suspicious, especially if he's seen the movies. But even if you were going to say the car belonged to someone else, why would you pick the name of an assassin, fictional or otherwise? Why would you pick the name of a retired hitman who was seeking revenge for the killing of a dog given to him by his dead wife? Now, uh, I know John Wick has to be Peter's favorite person, but if I'm a cop and you tell me that your car and guns belong to a fictional hitman, in my mind, all I'm thinking is he's your inspiration. All I'm thinking is, you might be a hitman. It is a semi-automatic rifle, okay? It's like getting caught with kilos of cocaine and telling cops the vehicle belongs to Tony Montana, okay? It's like getting caught with pounds of weed and telling people the car belongs to Wiz Khalifa, okay? It simply won't work. It just sounds stupid, all right? Okay, and, 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 and no, no, I take that back. It don't sound stupid. It sounds like Florida foolishness, okay? Now, Getro is being held in the county jail on $3,500 bond. And no word on whether or not Andy the Beagle or the unnamed pit bull he picked up in John Wick Part 3 uh, are coming to bail him out. Please give Getro Galeen from Florida the sweet sounds of the Hamiltons. Oh, now you are the donkey mm. of the day. You are the donkey of the day. Now I think today is a good day to play a game of Guess What Race It Is! Yes, yes. His name is Getro Galeen. He is from Port St. Lucie, Florida. He allegedly shoved a woman to the ground, put a gun to her face, and didn't leave when the cops came. And when the cops came, he told them he was, well, the car belonged to John Wick. DJ Envy, Guess What Race It Is! Black. <laughs> Why did you say that with just such conviction? You ain't even think about it. Why? <sighs> I mean, you want to be honest? Florida, yeah. guns, mm -hmm. cousin named John Wick. John Wick is like... a white hitman. John yeah, Wick is a white hitman assassin. Not like, like you just... said, Nino Brown. True, but I was thinking like if you have like you can't think of a name, you just think of John Wick. I don't. I don't know. I just. I just feel like I, I just. Just. It's just black on my tongue. Pause. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Kinky. Okay, Angela Yee. 
All right, Angelia. His name is Getro Galeen. He's from Port St. Lucie, Florida. Allegedly shoved a woman on the ground, put a gun to her face, didn't leave. And when the cops came, he told them he was John Wick. Guess what race he is? Well, I just want to point out that earlier you did a story about uh, someone named Tupac Shakur, right? Ooh. So there could be somebody named John Wick. Yes, maybe. Could be. Right, so maybe he does have a cousin named John Wick. I don't know, but I am gonna have to say that he is African American. Why? Why? What makes you say that? American. What makes you say that? We have great imaginations. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, sadly, both of you are correct. Uh, (laughs) Ketrogaline is absolutely African American. Um, I don't want to talk about this anymore. No, me neither. Enough <laughs> said. Damn it, man. All right. Well, thank you for that donkey of the day. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right. Now, when we come back, let's let's open up the phone lines. 800-585-1051. Now, Jada Pinkett Smith, she said, what now, ye? Well, on Red Table Talk, you know, everybody's talking about being quarantined, and she's quarantined with her husband, Will Smith, and she's saying that she doesn't even know him. Listen to this. I don't know Will at all. You really feel like Let me tell you, I feel like there's a layer that you get to. Life gets busy, and you create these stories in your head, and then you hold on to these stories, and that is your idea of your partner. Mm -hmm. But that's not who your partner is. The thing that Will and I are learning to do is be friends. So Will and I are in the process of him taking the time to learn to love himself, me taking the time to learn to love myself, right, and us building a friendship along the way. So they've been married 20 some odd years, she said, and I realized I don't know you and you don't know me. I wonder what that came from, though, because that had to come from something, a situation, an argument, something that happened, like what, like what made her feel that way? I'm just curious. 800 585 they probably spending more time together than they probably ever have. Both, of, I mean, in a long time, both of them have very busy schedules. Will is always on the set of something shooting. Jade is always working. So now they actually just have, you know, time to be around each other. And they probably looking at each other like, damn. You've changed. And damn, you've changed. And a lot of people are going through this. You know, they were talking to Pastor John Gray and his wife, um, Aventer, about the new dynamics of couples during the quarantine. So this whole topic came up. Yeah, so that is a good question. 800-585-1051. Have you uh, realized something new about your partner? Uh, Charlemagne, have you? Um, I got to think about it. I'm pretty sure I have, though. All right, we'll but talk I mean, about I'll, it when I'll, we come back. Yeah. I want to hear from you, you too, ye. And uh, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Pull out your phone. Call in right now. Call me. Add your opinion to the Breakfast Club top. Break it down. 800-585-1051. The Breakfast Club. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with the Breakfast Club. Talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we're talking about Jada Pinkett Smith and her relationship with her husband. She says during the quarantine, she realized she just doesn't know him. Do we have audio? Let's play the audio. I don't know Will at all. You really feel like I, Let me tell you, I feel like there's a layer 
that you get to, right? Life gets busy and you create these stories in your head and then you hold on to these stories and that is your idea of your partner. Mm -hmm. But that's not who your partner is. The thing that Will and I are learning to do is be friends. So Will and I are in the process of him taking the time to learn to love himself, me taking the time to learn to love myself, right? And us building a friendship along the way. All right, so 800-585-1051. We're asking, uh, did you find out some things about your spouse, you, your spouse you didn't know before? Maybe you just don't know your husband or just don't know your wife. 800-585-1051. Charlemagne, have you found out some things about your wife you didn't know? Nah, I haven't learned anything new because I realized a long time ago that you have to continue to grow with your partner. And when you've been with someone almost 23 years like I have, then you have to constantly meet the new version of the person that you grew in love with. You know, people aren't supposed to be the same mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Like, emotionally, like we're supposed to evolve because you are absolutely not the same person you were when you were teenagers. You're not the same people you were when you were in your 20s. So I think you always have to grow in love with the person someone is now. Like, we're often still in love with the person someone was. But if that person evolves and grows, you may not like that new version of a person. So what I like right. to do is, you know, just always, you know, reconnect with, with, with my wife, you know, reconnect with my queen, you know, like we, whether it's watching a show together, like if something that she may be into or something I see her really interested in, I get involved as well and, and, and vice versa, just so we always have something that connects us, you know, like my wife is a personal trainer. She lives a healthy lifestyle. So fitness and healthy lifestyle is something that always connects us. We both read a lot of books and it's usually things in the wellness space. So I share with her, she shares with me. So we always are constantly uh, growing to love the people that we are becoming in our old age. Yeah, I haven't uh, learned anything new. If you uh, listen to my podcast with my wife or, or you know us, you know that we are like on top of each other all the time and not because we have to, because we want to be. Uh, you know, my wife is always with me. So this is like this quarantine has been great because it allows us to spend even more time. So this has been wonderful for me. So it has nothing that popped out that says, oh, I learned this or I don't know this. Nah, it's it's pretty much just what we've been doing more and more and more. So there's nothing that I learned. Now, yeah, I know your your boyfriend is is not quarantined, yeah, we're quarantined with you. away from each other. I can't wait till we can travel again. So I'm not in the same boat. I will say, though, I don't really mind like, I've been working so much, so it hasn't been too bad. Like, we talk on the phone all the time, but it's obviously different than being in person. Nah, it's great for me. I mean, even the Zoom call, she's with me when I do my Zoom. Like, she's, we're always around each other, so it's it's wonderful to me. You know, you said something, Envy, um, and that's very true. Even though it doesn't have to be in podcast form, the reason, you know, you and your wife are constantly probably growing to love each other every other, you know, every other year or whatever it is, because y'all do talk every week. Right. Every week, y'all take a dedicated time to sit down mm -hmm. and speak. You know, right. you don't have to have a podcast to do that, but it's just the fact that y'all are communicating every single week, and you have to do that because that's when you miss stuff. You miss stuff when you're not talking to a person. Correct. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah, because yeah, e when you, when you, even, even during this podcast, you know, I find things about myself like... I'm a right fighter, meaning sometimes I argue and fight to win and not argue and fight to understand or to have a conversation. And that's something yes, that you I are. always do. Yeah, you've been a light fighter. We've been trying to tell you no, that. That I'm light skin beige rage, you know what I'm saying? We I know that. Light. I, I didn't say You light. are definitely it's a light fighter. Master, Envy, you will say something that's not even true to win a fight. I, I've done it before. Envy, yes. I'm working that's on myself. Light, <laughs> that's light fighting. I'm, I'm He's a light, that's, what, that's how light skin guys fight. Straight up lie. <laughs>
Sometimes I invite like, yeah, you. Know, I'll be like, yeah, you know, when I get my period, it really bothers me. Oh, well, no, it's not that bad. I'm like, Envy, how do you know? Because I used to get mine too. And I'd be like, no, you didn't. How do you know? <laughs> how say, do you know if I got my anything. period or not? <laughs> yes, but I'm working on myself during this quarantine <laughs> to make sure that I'm not a right fighter anymore. Okay? Oh. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Hello, who's this? Hey, my name is Abdul Samid Tabish. What? Ask the mouth. <laughs> you said ask the mouth. Call me secure. <laughs> okay, ask the mouth. Good morning. <laughs> What's up? Good morning, man. Just, just say secure. Hi, Shaka. We're talking about uh, things about your spouse you find out during this quarantine. Uh, How are you and your spouse during this quarantine, brother? Getting divorced. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, why? 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 Talk to me. Uh, Well, she woke up one morning. (laughs) We went to sleep one night. You know what I mean? We smacked. You know what I mean? Everything was just Gucci. Wake up in the morning. I don't love you no more. I'm not in love with you no more. Damn. What? Wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What the f*** up? What the f*** happened? Excuse me. You're 30 seconds. She tired of them little... She tired of them five strokes in 30 seconds. No, that's not me, my man. You don't think so. That's not me. Well, how you you feeling after that? Are you good? Like, did you feel the same way? Are you upset? What's happening on your end? Oh, my end. You know what I mean? I'm more confused about the whole ordeal. You know what I mean? Because if... <laughs> if don't laugh at him, man. He's going through pain. I want you to be honest with us. You're wasting yeah. our time if you're not. Right. Just be honest with me. If it's something else, just say what it is. She got another dude. Mm-hmm. She got another dude. She got another dude that was keeping her happy. And now that she got to be with you 24-7, 365, she's like, no. I can love you as long as I got my low side thing. She can't love you, see, just you. I'm sorry, bro. Okay, see, that's the whole thing. I work seven days a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not even there for real. When, when I am now, I want to give me a little nap. I spend a little time with her. I give her time. Give the kids time. You know what I mean? So it's just this thing like, wow, for real? I pay the bills. I make sure everything is good. Right. And you just like, wow, for real? Well, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Sorry, bro. Whatever happens, Uh y'all somehow work things out. I hope that you're okay. If not, and you continue to be okay. I pray that she gets out of that house and gets to her boyfriend, man. Oh, she sounds miserable. She sounds hard. It is the first day of of, uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. Let's be nice and kind to people going through things. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm hoping that she gets to go out and be happy. Oh, my goodness. Poor, poor homie, man. Right after he stroked it, too, because he probably thought he did a good job, and then she okay, woke up. Okay, All right. Oh, bro. Listen, she has a man that's not him that makes her happy, and that's who she's probably grown to love, and she's with her dude now, and she realizes, like, I don't love him no more. I can't do this. I need to be with Side Bay. And, you know, she can't until the quarantine's over. My goodness. All right. 800-585-1051. We're talking about being in the quarantine. Did you find something new about your partner? Something you didn't like? All right, let's talk about it. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we're talking about learning something about your spouse during quarantine. Now, this came from Jada Pinkett Smith. Let's play a quick snippet of that. I don't know Will at all. You really feel like I, Let me tell you, I feel like there's a layer 
that you get to, life gets busy and you create these stories in your head and then you hold on to these stories and that is your idea of your partner. Mm -hmm. But that's not who your partner is. The thing that Will and I are learning to do is be friends. So Will and I are in the process of him taking the time to learn to love himself, me taking the time to learn to love myself, right, and us building a friendship along the way. So we're asking 800-585-1051. Hello, who's this? Hey, John A., where you calling from? Charlotte, North Carolina, 704. 704, Queen City, what's happening? I can't wait to get back to Charlotte. I can't wait to get back to North Carolina. I'm, 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 what's happening? Good morning. I love it. I love, I love her. I love Charlotte. I love y'all. Oh, my God. Okay, so let me tell y'all. So my husband lives in D.C. because that's where his job is, and we moved back to North Carolina because I love Charlotte. I can't stand D.C. Mm -hmm. So I smoked weed, but I, I was sneaking a little bit here and there. But when he came for the quarantine, he found out I'm an official stoner. I got edibles. I got. I went from smoking like one blunt a day. I'm smoking like three blunts a day. Y'all, it's serious. It's serious. So he just found that out. That's a, he found. Yeah, he just found out that I smoke as much as I do. He just thought I smoked here and there, you know. But yeah, now well, he yeah. like. He want to take, take pictures of my blunt. He want to video record me outside smoking. He has a problem with me smoking. Like, that's the only well, he has to be a, whole He got to be aware of the circumstances, though. Circumstances are different. It's quarantine. You probably got a little bit more anxiety. You know what I'm saying? You probably got a little bit more stress right now. You know what I mean? So you might be smoking a little bit more than usual to take the edge off. That's all. But she she sounds like it ain't got nothing to do with quarantine. That she smoked regardless. I'm just he telling her what know. to blame it on. Regardless. Like, 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 for real, y'all, like, he's saying that he wanted, he's telling me I got to go to rehab or we're getting divorced. Wow. Over with? Does, Are you serious? Does he smoke? Does he smoke? Nah, he doesn't, he doesn't smoke or drink. Nah, you got to make him smoke, man. You got to make him do an edible or something. And then when he get high, when he get high, you got to put that good Queen City poom poom on him. And he'll be like, damn, this is all right. I will say it is hard when, when you're not really a smoker to date somebody who smokes all the time. It is a little difficult. You say when you get high, what happened, Ma? Yeah, I did it. I did it. I did it. Yeah, I did it my whole... I just started smoking. <laughs> I'm 42 now. I just started smoking right. at 31. My baby daddy, all my ex-boyfriends smoked. I put a... I dealt with it. This right here... Oh, I'm sorry. This oh, boy. right here... Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what to do, though. Listen. Make his favorite food, right? But make him do an edible, mm -hmm. right? I'm right. Let him get high. Flip put it. that good Queen City poom poom on him. Let him do eat. Not drug him. He is going. I didn't say drug him. I say, I said get high with him. And he, make you an are edible. going to. He has to know he's he is going. Edible. I said that. Nobody ever said. Nobody ever said anything otherwise. No, I, I guarantee you, he'll love you. I can't tell him, Charlotte. Man, he's he's totally against any drugs. Like right, he, he that's in him. Like it's crack. If he doesn't want to do weed or edibles, that's fine. That's not his thing. You cannot make somebody do that if that's not what they're into. Have you, you know, have I, you asked him though? No? Have you tried to say take it? Mm hmm. No, he won't. He won't do it, Envy. He's he. Let me tell you, I'm 42. He's 56. He you ain't speaking take. the right language to that old man. You gotta tell that no. old man. Do you want the best of your life? Eat this edible. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to use that clip. We're going to keep that. Jamo, you got that? All right, cut. Eat this edible, and I'm going to eat your d That old don't man. Don't do that. Let, what? Let him, let him not do it. If he doesn't want to do it, don't try to force it on him if, he's, if that's not his thing. For some people, that's just not their thing.
Yeah, because except where he is. My, my wife don't my wife don't mess with. It. I gave her a piece of chocolate one day and, and she thought it was light work. And when it hit her, she was like, never ever again. And she just did something yeah, that she'll never that. do. Well, guess what? That man, fifty six years old, so he gonna need weed for his cataract soon anyway. God oh damn. my goodness! Thank you for calling, Mama. Back. I love y'all. Okay, bye. I love you too. <laughs> love you back. What's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is you just constantly got to get to know, you know, your partner. You know what I mean? Like, I'm telling you, we all fall in love with a version of a person. And in our mind, we always hold that version of the person, you know, but people grow, people evolve. So you got to constantly make that y'all are just, you got to constantly make sure you're just growing and evolving together and you're constantly growing in love with the new version of who you've been with for a long, long time. All right, now we got rumors on the way, Yee. Yes, we are going to be talking about Kenya Barris. He was on Expeditiously with T.I., and he was talking about his new show, Black AF, and the people who love it and the people who hate it. All right, we'll, get in, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. It's this is the rumor report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Well, Doja Cat shared her new Say So remix with Nicki Minaj on it. Listen to Nicki's part. I got dressed just to sit in the house. People with the least always doing the most. I count money while he's sucking my towels. Real nasty with them vlogs. All net, yeah, I'm grouse. Why you talking about who body fake? With all them fillers in your face, you just full of hate. That real ass ain't keep you hugging home. Now you looking silly, that's what that's still like home. Everyone thinks that this is about Wendy Williams. Well, Nikki just went in her stories and said the line ain't about Wendy, though. Hashtag say so remix. Okay. Mm. All right. Balls I do there. <laughs> I, I, I mean, by the, how did we come to that conclusion that it was about Wendy? I guess because Wendy's man left her and, you know, the fillers and talking about her and they've had this back and forth. So oh. I think people assume that it was about her. Got you. Okay. All right, now, NBC is going to be airing Byron Allen's Feeding America Comedy Festival. It's a benefit featuring segments by famous comedians, which include Eddie Murphy, Adam Sandler, Tiffany Haddish, uh, the other comedians, Jack Black, Wayne Brady, Adam Carolla, Louis Anderson, Margaret Cho, Andrew Dice Clay, Dean Cole, Dion Cole, Billy Crystal, Whitney Cummings, Tommy Davidson. There's so many people who will be doing segments on Chris Rock, um, you know, Keegan-Michael Key, Taraji's going to be on there, Kevin Hart, Whoopi Goldberg, Sarah Silverman, J.B. Smooth. So I know we'll all be excited to watch this. So that is going to be airing May 10th on Sunday at 7 p.m. It'll also be um, streaming on the app Local Now. So make sure you check, check that, that out. out. Salute mm -hmm. to my guy, Byron Allen. He supports Breakfast Club. We support him. He, he gave us $100,000 for Change for Change when we raised sure uh, money for the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. So salute to Byron Allen. Appreciate him. All right, LeBron has revealed the title of the Space Jam 2 movie that I know you guys are excited to see. It's called Space Jam, A New Legacy. And he revealed that by wearing a hat with the logo and title for that sequel. Everybody was just calling it Space Jam 2, so now we know what it's called. All right, Eminem was a victim of a home invasion. He had a pretty scary encounter. Imagine this. It's his house that is outside of Detroit. And apparently a guy named Matthew David Hughes made it past a security guard that was outside of Eminem's house. His house is also inside of a gated community. The guy smashed the kitchen window, climbed in the house, and then he was face-to-face -face with Eminem. <laughs> so Eminem had to get his other security who then took him down and called the police. They should have shot him. Straight up. 
Right then and there. That's what, listen, that's what, that's what guns are about, right? Your right to bear arms, to protect your household, to protect your home. You break yeah. in somebody's house like that, you deserve what you get. He should have gotten shot. But I would Period. say that they didn't shoot him. He might have had problems, and thank God they didn't kill him because he wasn't. A, he, it doesn't seem like he was a, a violent threat. He might just have some problems, and there's people out there with problems. So I wouldn't say I'm killing everybody is a solution. I didn't say kill him. Why do y'all? I didn't say kill him. I said shoot him. All right. Well, even <laughs> shooting him is not a solution. You know what I mean? They Why didn't have not? to shoot him. They, they subdued him. They had security. They were able to yeah, they him. were able. They were able to take him down, and it worked out. He fine. might have problems. Not, and and, and I'm, with you, I'm with you. I'm with you 100. But did you read the story? Man, Yes. Broke the window. Eminem. He just wanted to have a face-to-face -face with Eminem. Security was asleep. M was confronted him. M had, to, M had to yell for the security. In no seconds, M could have been dead. You are oh, correct. Man, stop. But stop. this guy also might have had some mental health problems. That's what it seems like. You break into somebody's window having a one-on-one. -on -one. Did, did he have a gun? There's no bigger mental health advocate than me out here in these streets. But if you break in somebody's house in that moment, you will get what you deserve. Come on, man. You in there with your kids. You don't know what can well, happen I, in those seconds. I, I, I agree, but in this situation, it didn't. And thank God, because this person could have a mental... You know mental health is. People don't necessarily might not know what they're doing. They might think what they're thank, doing is the right thing to do. I, you I know agree. what I mean? Thank God, thank God nothing happened to him, but Correct. he should have been shot. All right, And you Kenya would shoot, Barris. too, if somebody came in your house like that. Kenya Barris is opening up about uh, the show that he has out now, Black AF. He was talking to T.I. on his Expeditiously podcast. And there's some people who don't like the show. Clearly, Charlamagne, you've been an open critic about the show. I don't like the show, no. And Kenya says that he has people who like it and people who don't like it. Listen to this. People call me like, this is my favorite show. People call me and say, I hate this. I won't speak on Rashida because she has her own play, but I will say this for her. She's the only person I ever wanted to do that, that role. The one thing I will say in terms of the colorism models, I'm, this is based on my family. This, she's playing a version of my, of my wife who's biracial. My kids, what we, Rashida and I could produce, looks like those kids. Yeah, I listened to that whole podcast yesterday. So did I, yes. And he also discusses, you know, just even people right now, black people just getting money for the first time and not coming from wealth and just needing some time to adjust to things. Listen to this. We're slowly learning less is more. And so most of us who have any type of success, this is first generation. Everything we're learning, we're learning on the spot. Give me a second to learn. I'm not supposed to rim my car out because the stocks make it ride the way it's supposed to drive. Give me a second before I learn that. Give me a second before I learn there's times when you can tuck your chain. Let me have my moment, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I'm understanding, I'm starting to understand financial literacy as we all are. So he also said it is a reflection of his own family and he discusses finding out that he was getting, uh, well, the story about him getting divorced actually coming out on his birthday. Listen to this part. Somehow, some up way, it got announced on my birthday. I don't know that my divorce is, people care about me getting divorced. I'm not anybody, especially at that point. And all of a sudden it's in the papers as I'm getting off a plane coming from Atlanta. I have my wife calling me. I have my daughter, who's, you know, a sophomore at USC calling me. I have Ooh. my daughter, who's a senior in high school, calling me because her friends are talking about it. And, like, it's a different world than I ever expected. I'm trying to experience it with the audience in real time. So, yeah, yeah and I'm amongst out. other things, he talks about watching the Cosby show and not seeing Cliff and Claire ever argue. And he said, if you look at sitcoms and our stories, we're supposed to be okay, but 52% of marriages don't work. And the notion of understanding, we didn't know about therapy, just a lot of different things. He said, there's other people out there like me. So. 
Yeah, I'm sure that it is. But once again, I think Black AF is like white people doing a bad impression of black people. And I think all of them have been in Hollywood way too long if they think that's how black people act on the regular. And I know we're not monolithic, but if I met black people like the people that's on Black AF, I would think they were, were all a bunch of a-holes. And, and by the way, if he would have set the show up in the context that he explained on T.I.'s show, I probably would understand the show more. Now I know why you were a-hole. Y'all remember Married with Children? Yes. We knew why Al Bundy was a dysfunctional loser who talked to his kids and his his wife like that and why they spoke to him like that. They didn't set Kenya's character up like that. Not at all. But I got to mention a minute. I'm going to watch it this weekend, man. I, you, you I, gotta, seen, I, think you I, I guess it's kind of supposed to be like Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know that he was the person that created Seinfeld, just like you know Kenya Barris is the person who who created Blackish, And so yeah. it's supposed to pick up from there and based on his real life after the show. And I feel like that's kind of what this is supposed to be also. So if you're not familiar with his history, then you might not get it. But if you do know who he is, then I guess you have some understanding. Just like yeah, you didn't really know much about Larry David until Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, but it's just a second-rate version of Blackish. Like topics that they did on Blackish, they do on Black AF. Like Blackish did a Juneteenth episode. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I get it now because Blackish is about a mixed woman. You know, his wife is mixed in real based life, so it's based on his real life. Yeah, but it's it's just a whack show. Salute to Kenya though; he's very talented. But the show is whack. I'm, I'm gonna check it out. All right. Well, thank you for that rumor report. Now, when we come back, we got the People's Choice Mix. Now, Revolt, we'll see you guys on Monday. Everybody else, I mean, Drake's album release came out today. So let's do a throwback Drake mix. Let me know your favorite Drake joint. All about Drake this morning in the mix. All right, let's have some fun with it. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, uh, Joe, Joe Biden. What happened with Joe Biden, Yee? Well, he was accused of sexually assaulting a former aide of his uh, back in 1993. Mm -hmm. He's been calling on the National Archives to release any document that is related to those allegations. And today, he is denying those allegations. He's kept a pretty low profile about it. He mm -hmm. hasn't been doing too much during this coronavirus or doing any interviews. And the ones that he has done, it hasn't come up. So now he is speaking out about it. He was on MSNBC's Morning Joe. And this is what he had to say about these claims. She says in 1993, Mr. Vice President, that you pinned her against the wall and reached under her clothing and penetrated her with your fingers. Would you please go on the record with the American people? Did you sexually assault Tara Reid? No, it is not true. I'm saying unequivocally, it never, never happened. And it didn't, it never happened. You know, this, this is a tricky situation. I hate situations like this because uh, we know that these very real issues are being weaponized for political purposes. You know, whether it's allegations against Trump when he's running, allegations mm -hmm. against Brett Kavanaugh when he's about to be appointed to the Senate, allegations against Bill Clinton from Trump when Hillary is running, now old sexual allegations against Joe Biden. Like, things like rape and sexual assault should never be weaponized against people. These are real issues women go through, and they should, right. be not, they should not be used to take people down. Because seriously, how can you take these allegations seriously when we see things like this all the time when people are running for these positions of power like it just it just looks so fishy and it's just it's just not good to uh weaponize those real issues man according to biden he's saying that nobody else during his time as a senator in delaware was aware of any of these so i don't know he says there's no paperwork he wants them to release paperwork so we should see what happens now donald trump had spoken on this too yesterday right he said i think that I he should so. respond he said it could be false allegations, and then Donald Trump compared it to himself having had, quote, false allegations. 
No, we, we have some more audio of, of Joe Biden. Let's hear it. Why limit this only to Tara Reid? Why not release any complaints that it may had been made against you during your Senate career? I'm prepared to do that. There, the best of my knowledge, there's been no complaints made against me in terms of my Senate career, in terms of my office, and anything that's been run. Look, this is an open book. There's nothing for me to hide. What the hell, Joe Biden? What, did he have what a stroke? Did he have a, did he have a stroke mid sentence? Let's listen. Play play that part again. Things been run. Bro, I need what? that over Missy work it immediately. Okay, Dan, <laughs> put that over Missy work it right now. I want to hear it. I want to hear what it sounds like. Let's go. God damn it. Things been run. That's Joe Misdemeanor Biden. You stop it, Dan. Put. Oh, put that in HD. What's the thing? What we got? What's the thing called? Normalize? Put it in normalize HD. We can try to normalize it. It's been run. Bro, he's really trying to get the youth vote. He knows youngsters like mumble rappers, so he wants to be a mumble Stop president. Jesus it. Christ. <laughs> Joe Misdemeanor Biden, baby. Goodness Ooh, he should walk after that on stage. He will have to start leaning into this, bro. Just say he doesn't president. even know what he said. If he doesn't lean into it, people are going to think that he is really having cognitive issues, which he may or may not be having. So what he needs to do is just say, look, people like mumble rappers, I want to be a mumble president. Do something with the Migos, you know what no. I'm saying? No. Yeah, you know what? No, don't do that with the Migos, because I can understand the Migos perfectly. I can't understand Joe Biden. No, not at all. Now, as far right. as Tara Reid, she has commented about it, too. She said it was really devastating when Gillibrand and Stacey Abrams and Hillary Clinton all on the same day just basically implied my story wasn't true and they believed Joe Biden. I can't describe to you what that felt like. Uh, she said she is a lifelong Democrat, and in particular, she's a fan of Stacey Abrams. She said, I'm just stunned. They didn't just say, oh, we're standing with Joe Biden until we hear more. They just discounted me. They marginalized me. They said they didn't believe me. I can't tell you. I cried for a while because they're important in my life. They've been figures that I look up to. So that is yeah, what uh, Tara Reid is saying. By the way, you're entitled to believe whoever you want to believe. If they believe Joe Biden didn't do it. They have every right to say that, you know. But um, mm -hmm. like I said, it just looks crazy because we can tell it's being weaponized for political purposes. Because if it was the shoe on the other foot, which it has been, we've seen it a million times, whether it was Donald Trump, Brett Kavanaugh, they believe those women. Right. And now Tara Reid, do you know what the accusation is? She what is the accusation? Joe Biden of digitally penetrating her in a Senate hallway when she was a staff assistant in his Senate office back in 93. She said she did file a Senate personnel report at the time. She also says that she told others in the office about the incident and was removed from her duty of overseeing the interns. And according so to the Biden campaign, they're saying this incident did not happen. And three former Senate aides, all of whom Tara Reid said she complained to directly at the time about the assault, have said they don't remember any such complaint or that it did not take place. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, if there is a complaint on paperwork and Joe Biden is saying that it's not, or he doesn't know anything about it, that's going to look bad. But truth to the matter yep. is, nobody's going to care because it's an election year and there's two choices and people have picked a side. Like there's, a, there's no bigger side pickers than politicians. Politicians are bigger side pickers than gangbangers. You know, whatever crew you think you down with, you ain't got nothing on politicians. Democrats are going to be diehard blue. Republicans are going to be diehard red. And they're going to ride with their guy or gal, whether they right, wrong, or indifferent. That's just Well, I hope we is. find out. I hope we, we, we find out if he did do it or, I mean, there's no way to find out if he didn't do it. But if she did write up that paperwork or whatever, or report that, I mean, that definitely is, is proof that we can see that it happened, what, no, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? No, that's just a complaint. That's just an allegation. You know what I'm saying? You still can't prove it actually happened. That's true. That's the, that's right. the well, sad part about these situations. 
When we come back, we got the positive note. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, you guys have a great weekend. It's supposed to be 70 degrees on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So this is going to be a great weekend uh, in New Jersey. They open up the state parks. So this is all on the East Coast. The weather's supposed to be beautiful. Hopefully by you, just enjoy it. And just try to relax a little bit, man. It seems like they're opening up this country slowly but surely, but still be safe out there. Word. And listen, man, I want everybody to please go out there and get Dr. Rita Walker's book. It came out mm-hmm. today. Um, you know, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Dr. Rita Walker has dropped a book that is a must-read. It's called The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. And I want to give you a gem from this book. First of all, I want to thank her for coming on the show uh, mm-hmm. you know, zooming in with us er- earlier. But also, I want to give you a gem from the book because this is in regards to what you can do if someone thinks death seems like the best in the pain. She said, it's three things you can do to help a person in that position. Uh, assume that you can help. Uh, be a good listener and cancel your judgments. And that's the most important one I want to read. You cannot be helpful if you're being judgmental, asking why a person feels that way or trying to convince that person that things aren't so bad. I can't imagine a scenario in which your personal personal values would help. Other people's judgment is exactly why that person does not talk about their problems. If you know that you like to judge people and tell them how to feel, revisit the previous bullet point. Be a good listener. I'm telling you, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health, it is a great, great read. Everybody in America should own it. You will be able to understand your mental health better uh, as a black person, and if you're not black, you will understand the mental health of black people better. So go grab that book by Dr. Rita Walker, The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?